Crowpod contains language and themes which may not be suitable for anyone, but what is suitable for everybody is the great stuff from our friends at the famous iconic wear for bears. Go check out the famous uk. Great stuff over there. And if you want to win some stuff from them, scroll down, hit the buy me a coffee link in the show notes on this episode that you're listening to right now. We give away stuff from them every single month here on the Crowpod. So check them out. The famous uk. Crowpot Explains America, and uh, we just caught the uh, the very special intro there, of course, kicking off with uh, well, a, r- a rather strange 1988 incident 
where a member of Los Angeles police squad, Frank Drebin, actually ended up umpiring a, a major league game between the Seattle Mariners and Los Angeles Angels that the, uh, the, the Queen was in attendance at. I still haven't got all the details on that. But, of course, following that, the, the great Earl Weaver versus Bill Holler argument of uh, 1980. Terry Collins and Tom Hallion there, whose uh, well, what, ass is in the jackpot. A 250-foot infield fly rule from 2012, which uh, I'm sure we'll get to here at some point, Colin. And, of course, closed off with a hit simply known as the double to Seattle Mariners fans. Edgar Martinez's double in 1995 to send them to the uh, American League Championship Series and basically save baseball in Seattle. So that today, Colin, 20 years after the last time I saw it, I can watch my Seattle Mariners play in a playoff game. And how many games until it matters? <laughs> I mean, it, it matters. You know, they they they, they got uh, they got rid of like the one off wild card games, so we actually do have to play like a little three game series here. Uh, we're, we're 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 away in Toronto, so pretty much after this, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish cleaning up the house a little bit so that uh, you know it looks all good for the weekend and head on off. And oh, it's. I mean, honestly, the last time I watched the Mariners in a playoff game, I was still in high school. Like, I, I was on a college visit to Indiana University, knowing nothing about student loan debt. <laughs> I mean, I suppose it's a little bit like at first, like nineteen ninety eight was the first time I kind of remember watching Scotland in a World Cup. I suppose I've never done it ever since. Yeah. Um, or, or why well, you could be like you, you could be like Todd and have a 1986 and nothing. <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> and that's literally my lifetime. <laughs> Which would I mean, make we, God terrible. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we 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 get there. Um, but yeah, there, there there isn't much to it there. But no, I look. Baseball is weird. Is is pretty much. Well, what 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 this episode's going to be, I think. <laughs> so, like, for what it's worth, I've been to baseball about half a dozen times. I really enjoy going. I think it's a lot of fun. I couldn't watch it, like, in a bar or at home. I don't care <laughs> enough. But, like, I, I really like the... There's, there's a certain social aspect to going to the baseball. You know, because there is with the greatest respect, not a whole lot going on all the time. Yeah. So there's some time to chat. You can go get a beer and, you know, you come back and you're like, what's happened? Some's like a man hit the ball with a stick and it went over there. <laughs> I mean, that, there is something to, I mean, well, the nature of, of the sport, and I think you see it in uh, cricket as well, that, well, when you have that much time off, you, you come up with stuff to do to fill the time. And um, there, there's a lot of uh, well oddities to baseball, so some of which we're going to get to here today. Um, but you know, I mean, one, one of the hardest, one of the very first ones you mentioned to me, I almost got into it with with David and Todd uh, yesterday on the Big Crow Pod. Uh, pickoff throws, which are the, the the throws you see where you know once a man is on base, the pitcher throws to the base. Yeah, I was like, I, what, surely that's assault. <laughs> I mean, you, you can't you can't plug them like you can in uh, rounders or some oh, versions oh, well, that's of disappointing. a. So, yeah, no, there's some versions of softball here uh, in the United States. You can still uh, you can still just rifle a ball into somebody's kidney. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh man, uh, Chicago style. I mean, Chicago style softball specifically with a big sixteen inch pumpkin ball. That uh, that <laughs> thing. Oh, oh man, that thing will leave some welts. See, my, my contention with this, right, and I said yesterday, you want to get me on a rant, this is the quickest way. And by the way, folks, since this is a playoff baseball special edition, we're foregoing our usual little news segment here at the front. So if you're listening to this this weekend, you don't have to listen to me and Colin talk about something that happened on Thursday on Sunday. So <laughs> um, pickoff throws, uh, the, 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 all right, this this is the thing that fucking drives me crazy with them, right? And this is, this is probably as hot as I'm going to get in this whole episode right here because fucking hate it the purpose of the game and there are rules the whole purpose of the game the whole focus of energy in the game is the pitcher delivering the ball to the batter and he has four chances to do it or else the guy gets a base and yet somehow with all the rules to speed up baseball that they're trying to implement 
Nobody has thought, hey, maybe we should limit the number of times a guy can throw unsuccessfully to first base in an attempt to get a base runner out. And the reason that everybody, oh, it would eliminate the strategy of the game. Doing something like that does not eliminate strategy. Taking something away does not eliminate strategy. All it does is create a different strategy. It's kind of like say, like when when they added, you know, the substitutions during COVID and now kept them in football. That that didn't eliminate strategy. That added a different nuance to the strategy. And if they did this, because again, there's so much focus now on trying to speed up ball games. When in reality, all you got to do is stop having the fucking Yankees and Red Sox play every goddamn Sunday on a national broadcast, uh, that this would be one of the easiest things that you could do. And you know what? No one would notice it after a year, which really is kind of how you want rule changes like that to happen to where after even half of the season, they go, eh, I did what? Oh, the pickoff thing. Right. Yeah. How often does it work? Very, very, honestly, you know, I should, I should have looked up pickoff rates. I mean, some, some guys are fucking brilliant at it, right? Because, well, it doesn't always work in so much as you get the guy out. The, the other purpose is, of course, to keep the guy closer to the base so that he can't get to the next base and therefore get home, you know, finally score a run. So, I mean, yeah, you've got masters, pickoff masters. You've got some guys who, um, well, are borderline balking every time they would get, uh, every time they, they perform a pickoff, which is, Something that we'll get to here in a little bit, but um, you, you know, yeah, it's it's the strategy involved is not always get the guy out. Obviously, that's the maximum outcome, but the strategy involved okay. is keep him closer to the bag so that he can't keep advancing. You know. Okay, so you're allowed to, like again, this is basic. You're allowed to kind of like sneak a little bit towards the next base. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. You can take a lead okay. off. You know, and you do that as far as you feel comfortable to be able to get back to the base or, you know, get to the next base, as it were. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, it doesn't, but. Yeah. Baseball. Well, it's, 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 it's kind of, you know, you, you see it in the cricket where the, was it the, the like not I the batter. Watch cricket. Well, well, yeah, but I, I just, there, there was an incident in the, I was watching the South Africa India T20 the other day. And, and uh, I think it was South Africa up to bat, and the, you know the, the non-batter man who was trying to kind of sneak it as the pitcher or the bowler was coming up for his delivery, and the bowler stopped delivering and kind of get like, all right, come on, you know, like he easily easily could have made him, uh, you know, got gotten the, the wicket or whatever the fuck it could he could have got him out. But the pickoff play could have worked in cricket, and the and the bowler decided, all right, I won't be that big of an asshole. <laughs> That's why cricket shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's 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 one of the big things. I think again, the similar. Well, I, I mean, every sport has them, but the the one baseball you hear more about unwritten rules of the sport than I think any other game. You know, every single sport has stuff that isn't codified in a rule book that players and coaches and managers and officials abide by. Um, like kicking the ball out. Like, yeah, right. Saying, you don't have to, but exactly, exactly. And, and again, I think you know, baseball like cricket do the downtime. You, you just you tend to get more of this kind of shit, you know, because there's just more. There's more room for I don't know proclivities and oddities to to slip in. Um, the the problem is, of course, because the rules are unwritten. Uh, well, they, they get they get dumb sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and start throwing at each other and shit like that, which is how you end up with the, you know, beanball wars, which again, look, there's an unwritten rule. There's certain ways that you go about beating an opponent, right? If, you, if you're going to throw at a batter, you typically you want to throw at his ass and not as hard as you fucking can, right? You don't okay. want to throw at their knees. You don't want to throw at their head. You don't want to stick it in the middle of their back and crack a rib or do something bad to a vertebrae or something like that. You're, you're aiming for their ass. Soft, squishy bits. Yeah. Yeah. But, of course, that, that always doesn't work. Or people think that they're being thrown at when they're not or God knows what. And because you have unwritten rules, you have stupid consequences. <laughs> sure. well i got you know like just like the putting the ball out you know you you see teams like when it doesn't happen and you get a little handbags out there in the park and the referee is like i'm the guy with the whistle okay but nobody's here to see you like that's fucking nobody gives a shit about you because you're (laughs) shit at your job 
Oh. So yeah, there, there's a couple. That's a good start, I think, right there. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, less confused than normal, but uh, <laughs> we're not talking about dinosaurs and stuff. So. Yeah. Just no, that's that's yeah, or or major uh, economic policy decisions, that kind of thing. So no, let's uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll grab our, our quick early break here. We're gonna come right back. I've I brought some uh, I brought some audio because well, I I find it's better that if I'm not the only one, you know, assaulting Colin's brain, I think, I think it's one of the unwritten rules of this show that uh, it's, it's better when I let other people do it. So coming right back with some more baseball is weird here on <laughs> Crowfather explains America. Weird to the work we're using. Don't let me hear you. Good and loud. All right, Gary. All one. All two. All three. Hey. Welcome back to Crowpod Explains America here, the Baseball is Weird edition. And of course, as always, if you like everything we do, and my God, have I done a lot of it the past few days, uh, scroll down, hit the Buy Me a Coffee link in the show notes, give us a hand, or you go to support.thecopelandroad.org. Uh, help out the show as little as three bucks. You get earned in to win some great stuff from the famous. I'm also giving away a copy. Uh, I had a conversation with author John Townsend yesterday about, uh, well, the unfortunate business let's call it around u.s soccer that's that's uh i i wouldn't even say it's come to light this week but uh you know when the new york times yeah. starts talking about it that that's when that's when people start to to take notice i think so i mean that's our that's my local team uh yeah in the timbers and it's been that's that shit's been floating around for long enough and well, i'm glad yeah. that it's finally dealt with but yeah well well the thing i mean you know the the problem around u.s soccer being treated as a visa farm for people who you know well as me and john were talking i mean some of these people should never be coaches which is why they have to leave bk but also people who should never be around your children and um distance uh distance can can cleanse those kind of things to the point where again a coach here in chicago who ended up marrying a girl who played for him when she was 14 years old that's a problem. Yeah, and this kind of shit happens all across, all across all levels of of the sport here. So again, me, me and John Townsend have a real good talk about that. If you're listening to this, you get done, you haven't heard it, scroll down, hit that again. Give us a hand, giving away stuff from the famous. I'm giving away something. Well, uh, some stuff next week, and also apparently I, I added a Venmo. Uh, I didn't know I could do that. So I'll, I'll, I'll put a link to that because apparently that's easier for some people. I'm still like I'm still figuring this shit out as I go. Like I'm 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 not a well-oiled machine like David Edgar's Heart and Hand podcast. This is a this has always been a clusterfuck. It will always be a clusterfuck. And we wouldn't have you any other way, man. No, this is this is why people have been here for ten years. Good lord. Uh, one of the ones Colin brought to me here, and this and this is a baseball thing. Right. Well, one, it's it it kind of I mean, it has to be an American thing because of our dedication to the national anthem. And, and honestly, the, the, the first began in sports uh, during the, the World Series during the first war, um, you know, and it was a it was a it was a thing to do to honor the, the service and whatever of the, of the men over there fighting when it, whenever we finally showed up in that one. No comment. <laughs> of course, the problem. The problem like that with any of these patriotic displays and all this kind of shit is once you let them in, it's hard to get rid of them because you don't want to be seen as the person who, who did it, which is why 
We still have to hear God bless America during the seventh inning stretch of nearly every fucking Major League Baseball game that you go to because we started doing it in 2001 after September 11th, and you don't want to be the people that get rid of it, do you? No, you can't because that, 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 then the terrorists win, Colin. The terrorists win. <laughs> seven, right, first time I ever went to a baseball game, <clears throat> the seventh inning stretch happened. Now everybody gets up, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> It's in the name, Colin. <laughs> well, first of all, I didn't know that's what it was. Second of all, I'm just eating my hot dog and enjoying my beer. <laughs> and everybody's like, it's, it's fucking exercise time. I was like, it is not. I'm seven beers deep. It's hot dog and beer. In fact, this is the last moment I can get another beer. I, I need to concentrate on that right now and not just standing up to do this. Um. Nonsense. No, we get, uh, Colin brought this one to me and, uh, you know, cause, cause I have new toys and new tools here. Thank, thanks everybody helping us out. Um, national anthem standoffs. I, I can't, well, I can't explain them any more than, than what that just did right there. So here is Luke Weaver of the Kansas city Royals and, uh, Robbie Bray of my Seattle Mariners just a couple weeks back in a game in Kansas city. Uh, well, one I was actually about to go to, and then we just decided not to at the last minute. But please be aware also, folks, that I trimmed this audio by about five and a half minutes. So here we go. There's nothing better than a good old-fashioned big league anthem standoff. We got Robbie with 80-grade flow on this Sunday afternoon going up on the Royal side. This is a battle of not only wills but also hair. This is fantastic. Who will give in first? We will find out. First pitch is coming up, and somebody's going to have to give in. We will do lineups and trust that Ray and Weaver aren't going anywhere. Now, everyone in the ballpark is aware as to what's going on. Moments ago, they had, and really right now, they just cut off of it. They had a split screen up on the video board of both Weaver and Robbie Ray. Will home plate umpire Adrian Johnson have to break it up? He will. Oh, boy. Yes, he will. Oh, he's looking out <laughs> towards Weaver. Is this in the umpire handbook? He's... And now our third base umpire is telling both of these guys, you got to beat feet. And nobody wants to give in. They're, <laughs> they're not moving. They're not moving. Marvin Hudson, the third base umpire, trying to make it happen. So we have a slight delay. <laughs> Robbie has his sunscreen, so he's oh, in good shape. Robbie won! Yes, Robbie won! <laughs> he won! A test of wills, and the reigning Cy Young champion wins again! <laughs> Anthem standoffs. Again, the- what? <laughs> <laughs> Who long were they stood there for? Uh, I think by my count, when I went back and watched the, the, the replay of the game, about six and a half minutes or so. And, and again, all this comes from you have so much downtime in baseball. And you, you, your typical anthem standoff here. So basically what happens is, of course, all the players get up, take their caps off, stand at the uh, at the edge of the dugout rail for the national anthem. And these will usually start where two starting pitchers who aren't scheduled to pitch that day will make eyes at each other at some point during the national anthem and then just decide to see who's going to fucking last the longest there. And they, Luke, Luke Weaver was actually ejected by the home plate umpire at that moment, so he's got to leave the park. And, uh, yeah. That was my question. I read that they've been ejected. So it was like, so these guys have just stood staring at each other for seven minutes almost at the end of the anthem. And both of them just have to go home after the game. Well, Rob, Robbie didn't get ejected. I mean, they, they, you know, the, the umpire throwing out Weaver kind of ends it. It's it's uh, usually, I mean, sometimes they end of their own volition. You know, sometimes they'll give each other a tip of the cap or one of them will just concede. Uh, th- th- this one was a dedicated, dedicated anthem standoff that required the home plate umpire to make a decision on who was going to take a shower early that day. <laughs> I love that, like, before the games even started, the Empire's like, yes, you. You have won the Anthem game. Congratulations, you are the most American person here. It, it was it was a good standoff of hair there between those two, too. I mean, they, they were both 
locks flowing. I, I, uh, I forget who was on play by play for the Mariners that day, but he noted Robbie Ray with 80 grade hair. And uh, 80 grade is, of course, the, the highest grade, not 100, but the highest grade on the baseball prospect scaling chart. They go from 20 to 80, not from zero to 100. So, because <laughs> why would you? Yeah. Well, like no, nobody can be perfect, right? So you can't have a hundred. That's got to stop at eighty. Oh, the next one I brought. This, this, this was a this was a fun one because I got to cover a couple here. Fan, fan interference is something. Um, well, it happens from time to time. It's 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 not as prevalent. Uh, certainly, in and around the infield or down the foul lines anymore, because you know as they extended the netting. Because, uh, well, players throw the ball harder and hit the ball harder at much faster rates. And people fuck around on their cell phones a lot more instead of watching the ball game. And sadly, this it did end up costing the life of a, of a fan in uh, Los Angeles at a Dodgers game a few years ago. And Major League Baseball rightly did the smart thing and extended netting down the foul lines to protect fans from you know, balls coming off the bat at 107 miles an hour or a bat being let go of and flying into the stands and hitting someone, you know, bad things happen. Definitely a difference between being hit in the face with a a small rock covered in leather and, you know, being smacked in the chalks by a football. Yeah. Really funny. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, what was the, was it sporting KC where the capo was too busy doing the, the shout when I say shout, and the free yep. kick came around the post and just drilled him at like sixty five miles an hour. <laughs> that shit's That's funny. Funny, <laughs> you know, the ball comes in, it hits their hits their tee, and explodes everywhere. Hilarious baseball <laughs> in the face. That, that's less funny. Yeah. Well, and again, I mean, th- this goes back to my point about the um, you know the problem with the pickoff throws. Everybody bitches. Oh, you can't change it. You can't. Change. Well, no, you can change it because again, the netting went up. And never, oh, this is going to ruin the game. And then guess what? Two years later, nobody fucking notices. Nobody cares. How is Nets going to ruin the game? I don't like, because I, I, I can almost see the argument for like changing like the fucking throwing the ball thing. But like the, the, the Nets have no part in the game. No. I'm assuming no, I, beyond I, the foul line. So. Okay, you know, it stops you from being able to reach over to pick it. Because, like, you know, you get like a foul ball, ground ball down the line. You can reach over and pick it up, stuff like that. But. Again, it's there to stop people. I, I, someone died, so it's you know it's, it's 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 like when hockey put them up behind the behind the goals because again a small rubber black disc in a very dark arena flying at you at ninety miles an hour kind of tough to see and the obvious tragic consequence came when a young fan died in Columbus a number of years ago. NHL responded by putting up nets. So makes sense. Yeah. But that doesn't stop all cases of fan interference. Uh, fan interference, of course, being when a fan actually impedes play on the park. Now, we're not talking just about people hopping over and running onto the field. That shit happens in every fucking sport. But baseball, again, is unique in the sense that the boundary to the playing surface oftentimes collides with the exact moment that fans begin <laughs> enjoying the game. And this is, uh, well, a couple big incidents over the past, uh, I don't know, 20, 25 years or so here that this has led to. Last time up, he stranded two. The Yankees have left 10 men on base, including the bases loaded in the seventh. And two runners in both the fifth and the sixth. In right field, Tarasco going back to the track, to the wall. And what happens here? He contends that a fan reaches up and touches it. Richie Garcia says no, it's a home run. Here comes Davey Johnson out to argue as Jeter comes across to tie the game. Well, in postseason, you have an umpire down each line. And he was there. And Garcia was right there. Fair game for the fans to catch the ball. If the fan reaches out over the field, 
then it can be ruled fan interference. Of course, Jeffrey Meyer there reaching over to take away a Derek Jeter, well, a long fly out to, to Tony Tarasco in right field in game one of the 1997 ALCS. And then uh, I, I want to say it was game six of the 2003 NLCS. Of course, the Steve Bartman incident at Wrigley Field, which, uh, oh, that got bad. Myers, Myers, of course, came out. This wasn't long after they'd introduced the sixth umpires. So in, in the playoffs, not only do you have the four umpires that you have on, on any regular crew, but they had two down the uh, the foul lines, uh, ostensibly to make calls along the outfield easier. Now, again, if you listen to the intro, uh, it's, it's actually an umpire fucking up the infield fly rule in the 2012 series that's in the outfield, 250 feet away from home plate, which, again, does not under any circumstances qualify for an infield fly rule situation. <laughs> but And here you have Richie Garcia, Again, 1997, as Jeter hits this one off of uh, Armando Benitez, and uh, he's perfectly positioned to see this and decides, nah, that's that's still a home run. And, of course, Tarasco and Davey Johnson, the, the Orioles manager at the time, go fucking nuts because this Orioles team was pretty damn good and had perennially underachieved. And, uh, well, you know, I, I would contend that the biggest mistake he made in that situation was pitching Armando Benitez in Yankee Stadium. I think by that point, we all already knew that that was a bad idea. Of course, the, the Bartman incident came during the Cubs playoff run in 03, and uh, the guy got the death threats for a ball that, unlike Myers, was actually in the stands. And Moises Alou, the Cubs left fielder, making the scene out of it, they did. And I, I, I want to say it was Steve Lyons there on, on the broadcast uh, alluding to the fact that's almost fan No, Well, no, it wasn't close to being fan interference because it was over the railing. Again, the, the 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 field of play in this sport butts up directly with the fans. It's it's completely unique in that regard. That, I mean, golf, I think, would be the only other one that you might run into these kind of issues in. Yeah, I can't think of anything else. Yeah, I mean, motorsport kind of got rid of it after people kept getting, you know, horribly, brutally Gosh. murdered. Yeah. Tour de <laughs> France. Tour de France yeah. is all. Tour, tour de France, yeah, cycling. And that it. is one that should be banned because the amount of people that get run over by bikes is nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, again, I mean, this is it's it's a quirk of baseball. It's a, look, I mean, back in the early days of baseball, you know, how you ended up with outfield seating in the first place was effectively they would tie ropes off uh, for people just to stand out there. And in some cases, if once they started building grandstands in the outfield, if that wasn't going to be enough seating for the day, like say, I don't know, Babe Ruth and the Yankees were in town, you would again get the rope out and add more room for people out there in the field of play. Uh, oftentimes that would create situations where it wouldn't be a home run, but a ground rule double because they'd shorten the fences so goddamn much just to fit more people and then make more money. I love that. America's game. Capitalism trumps sport rules. Everything. Fuck yes. <laughs> no, but I mean, obviously both of these set off. I mean, the Meyer thing. Fuck, every, every year that the goddamn Yankees are up, fuck, every year in the playoffs, you got to see something about it. The Bartman thing, finally, thankfully, Cooler, well, I'm not even going to say that. I mean, when the Cubs finally won the World Series, I think, it, well, I, you know, they invited him back. And Steve Bartman was just like, I think he was a math teacher from, from the North Suburbs. And again, death threats and all kinds of, which it's so fucking dumb. Sports fans are dumb sometimes. I mean, incredibly fucking stupid. And again, it, it didn't help that the player on the field made the scene of it. They did. But the Cubs tried to invite him back and... You know, after or during the World Series run in 2016, I think he just kind of told him to fuck off. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, you weren't here when he got death threats, so how does fuck you sound? <laughs> I, I've been, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I don't know, however many hundreds of ball games I've been to, minor league, major league, I might even be a thousand now, but... um I mean, th this stuff does happen. Again, it's less prevalent now with the, the extended netting. Bartman's... I mean, his position, I think, is still in a spot in Wrigley Field where the netting isn't, because I want to say it stops just before that. So you could still have this this same kind of same kind of thing rear its head there. But I mean, the Meyer thing, honestly, with the exception of Wrigley Field and a few other ballparks where there's a gap between the outfield fence and the the beginning of the bleachers, Dodger Stadium, one I'm thinking of famously. Um that kind of shit can still happen, and it is. I mean, now now we have you know VAR in baseball, 
that is supposed to take care of this. But again, VAR is only as good as the people using it. So yeah. that always doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, this, this is still something that could happen all I mean, the time. So I think like six games. Uh, I went to Fenway a couple of years back. So the first game was uh, uh, Minnesota. I went to okay. the Twins, we the Blue Jays. Uh, a beautiful new fancy stadium. Lovely. Oh, tar- Target Field there? Yeah. Yep. Tracking. Uh, Fenway, beautiful old stadium. Most uncomfortable seat I've ever been in. Yes. Yep. <laughs> but it was, I mean, I have no idea. We were sitting on the right hand, batter right, if you want. So for the um, first base side. There you go. Yeah, and yeah. so, like, I remember just looking over at the, at the big green wall and like, being like, fucking guys, like, and you know, the guys were like, and there was one home run and one kind of got to the end. You know, the guys, like, fucking nailing it up, and there's fans leaning over, watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's only a 37-foot drop from there, too, so. <laughs> I mean, have you ever been in the club deck? <laughs> I mean, it's it's a Comiskey Comiskey Field. Famously, when they built the new one, I you needed a Sherpa to navigate uh, the, getting around up there. And then, I mean, it, it was it was so bad it was dizzying, what, oh. looking down the the seating lines because like they, I think uh, whenever they started redoing the, whenever they started redoing Comiskey, they took out like eight degrees of pitch on that thing because it was it was bad. I mean. I mean, like, I, I don't mind the club that I don't love. I used to sit in Governor's Run. Um, but like, the few times I've been up there, I always, the first step as you come out, and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> and then I kind of get used to it. But, yeah, like some of the American stadiums, like, uh, I think I've never been in the baseball ones, but UT, University of Texas, the real UT. Yep. Um, <laughs> like, I sat pretty much up the back of that stadium for a football game. Yeah. Like, how many days have I walked? Yeah, uh, I'm, I mean, I I sat one time at the well at Neyland, you know, the Tennessee Stadium. Um, yeah, right, right, right up against the back railing in the in the south what was it the south the uh, southeast corner, and I mean it's really just it's like a waist high railing, and then yeah. you know 140 feet down to the ground if uh, you happen to get drunk or your friend decides to uh, clothesline you like he's he's fucking Bam Bam Bigelow or something. So yeah, it's um. It's it's ooh. I, I me me and Ingram did a great show yesterday talking about college football and I love the stadiums but there are some lacking measures <laughs> some mm-hmm. of them in that regard <laughs> yes yes <laughs> let's leave it up all um, right one one more quick break we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about why cheating is okay in baseball unless it's not okay. In which case, it's very, very, very bad. It's very bad. It's, it's, uh, look, you're either cheating and, and people accept it, or you deserve to be, uh, well, just ostracized from society completely. So, right back after this. Ray, people will come, Ray. They'll come to Iowa for reasons they can't even fathom. They'll turn up your driveway, not knowing for sure why they're doing it. They'll arrive at your door as innocent as children, longing for the past. Oh, of course, we won't mind if you look around, you'll say. It's only $20 per person, and they'll pass over the money without even thinking about it for its money they have, and peace they lack. And they'll walk out to the bleachers, sit in shirt sleeves on a perfect afternoon. They'll find they have reserved seats somewhere along one of the baselines, where they sat when they were children and cheered their heroes. And they'll watch the game and it'll be as if they dip themselves in magic waters. The memories will be so thick, they'll have to brush them away from their faces. People will come, Ray. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It has been erased 
like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, it's a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good and could be good again. Oh, people will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. All right, welcome back to part three here. Baseball is weird on Crow Pot Explains America today. First day of the uh, 2022 Major League Baseball playoffs. As again, my CL Mariners get ready to play their first playoff game in 20 years against, of course, our good friend Todd Van Allen's Toronto Blue Jays. Go fuck yourself, Todd. And uh, <laughs> we, we want to take no this horses in this race, <laughs> although Seattle's probably my local team. So, yes, god damn it, go get, get right behind them. Look, 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 the Mariners this year are like the the not the Yankees and obviously the not the Astros team. So, if, if you need someone to go for just for this postseason, you know, come on, slide on in. Plus, it, look, it, when our when our home games are on, they're gonna be on so late that you can just wake up in the morning over in the UK and probably catch the end of them. So yeah. Uh, the last, last one that we wanted to get to here, Colin, and, and I, th- I think it's, I think it's one of the big ones. Cause it, uh, well, it covers so much of the game, you know, uh, ch- ch- cheating as we talked about cheating happens in every sport, right? And it's, it's whether or not you get away with it and it's how tolerable it is. And we just had to go through this big. Oh, just endless fucking media cycle as Aaron Judge chased down Roger Maris's Amer- still the American League home run record. It's nothing to bat an eye at. A New York Yankee has held the American League home run record for every year since 1920. So all he did was was pass Roger Maris and get the 62. Of course, the problem is we all know how Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, and Barry Bonds ultimately got to the numbers that they got to, but... It wasn't against the rules of the sport at the time. It might have been illegal. It was definitely illegal, but it wasn't against the rules of the sport. And the reality is everyone fucking does it. And also you have no way of knowing whether or not Aaron Judge is doing it. So I, th- I think the Onion the onion had a great headline. It was like, Judge, I wish I would have just taken steroids and hit fucking 80 of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just a total aside, I, I it, even this has appeared on my radar. As a you know, complete confused by baseball. Oh, yeah. uh, I saw the guy who caught the ball. Going back to our last segment, they reckon it's worth. He reckons it could be worth about two million dollars. Yeah, yep. And like security escorted the guy with the ball to like the front office so that it, like could be verified and stuff. Yep. So this guy's got like a little certificate. This is our judge sixty-two. Your home run, two million bucks for the ball. Yep. Well, I, I was, you know, there was this debate, uh, you know, Albert Pujols, um, his 700th home run this year, a fucking amazing career. Uh, he's, he's, he's going to finish it up here whenever the Cardinals exit the playoffs again. But, um, you, you know, one of them, I can't, it might've been 700. I can't remember, but you know, people, Oh, don't you want the guy to give you the ball back? He's like, I've, I've hit 699 more. He's like, I don't care about the ball, but it might be the happiest day of that guy's life. You know, like, yeah. well, well, he's like, I did all this shit. They pay to come here to watch me do it. So that's that's kind of the trade off for how this shit works. I love that kind of add to because, you know, you get these. That's a solid attitude. That's it. Cause, well, because you get the holier than thou people, the same kind of people that are talking about steroids in their sports columns are the same kind of ones that are like, oh, you should get that's his ball. Is it? Fuck. It says right Fuck. here on the ticket. If it comes into the sands, I can keep the goddamn thing. <laughs> To actually say that on the tickets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excellent. Yep. Keep, keep your eyes open. Okay. Oh, well, you know, what, what are the signs at Wrigley Field? Watch for flying objects or whatever. The, if it comes in the stands, it's yours. If a bat goes into the stands, it's yours. Now, they, they might, you know, if the player really likes the bat, they might come over and trade another bat or, you know, some batting gloves or a couple signed balls or whatever they're going to get back. But, yeah. I mean, I, I was sitting, uh, God, we're, we're Third base side at uh, Milwaukee, not not long before the Nets went up, and the guy, you know, bat got loose out of his hand, came flying in, and I reached up, they, I slowed it down, or else it was going to fucking annihilate again people around their phones, 
And I reached up and tipped it. And when I turned around, the woman that ended up hitting was, uh, yeah, definitely uh, fucking around on Insta or something like that. So, and that bitch didn't even say thank you. So. <laughs> That's the other thing, like when it fucking comes in and a kid catches it and some, it's usually, oh. but you don't get the odd guy who does it and yanks it out of like a 10 year old's hand. It's like, fuck Yeah. Him. No, or, or you get that, the guy I won't name who goes around to every fucking ballpark and does this, sh- you know, and, and the, oh, everybody can do it. Yeah, fine. You know what? You're right. Everybody can. That doesn't mean that you do. And the, you, I'm sorry. The, the first rule of catching a ball at a ballpark is you look at it, you hold it up. If somebody wants to buy you a beer, you let them, and then you give the ball to the first fucking kid that you see. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's well, a pretty simple procedure. Yes, I, I don't care. It doesn't matter, but that, uh, that kind of thing can make a kid's make it. Now, okay, right, fine. If it's Albert Pujols' seven hundredth home run, you want to take it home by all means. Fine. But you, you get these guys again, like the the person who I won't name that will jump in front of an eight year old that a player is like tossing a ball to. Not not even a not even a batted ball. But something that where a player is specifically throwing a ball to a kid so that that kid has a good moment when he gets home. And then, yes, you get the middle-aged man who obviously just I, oh, bad people, bad yeah. people. They're, they're, they're the kind of fuckers that uh, will, like, walk to their seats during the middle of a pitch. You wait till the goddamn, but you wait till the next batter or the ball's out of play or something like that. God damn it. Even I know that. Yes, it's not hard. It's not hard. We're not monsters. We live in a society. Yeah. Oh, it was, man, that last game at Wrigley. Like, we got great seats right there. On the, we're on a concourse, like the middle, lower tier concourse, right on the backside, thinking, hey, you know, me and Brad are both tall. Wrigley's very compact. We would have some leg room, you know, be nice. Yeah. No, because everybody just comes right up and just, it's like, oh, God. Fucking just some some decency, man. Yeah. Anyway, cheating, cheating though. Cheating. Cheating. So again, che- cheating, cheating is allowed until it's not. And leaving aside steroids and that kind of thing, because it's all very fucking boring and I don't want to talk about it. And the the idea that you know Willie Mays and, and Ricky Henderson and all these people weren't using fucking the heaviest like horse amphetamines and cocaine to improve their ability to get there and play again, setting aside all pharmaceutical shit, because it's God, I just, I genuinely don't care. And everybody fucking does it. And if you're and the thing of it now is like, if you get caught, you were dumb enough to get caught. So it, the system deals with it, yep. but there, there's loads and loads and loads and loads of other ways that one can cheat. And, um, well, from cork bats, to uh, well, doctoring baseballs and stuff like that. And of course, a famous one here, again, rule with the best of intentions to, uh, well, eliminate issues around foreign substances on the bat and a rule that no one ever gave a fuck about until Billy Martin in a game, of course, B- Billy Martin, the famous uh, New York Yankees manager, and then again, the famous New York Yankees manager, <laughs> In a, uh, a Sunday Sunday afternoons, I mean, you're talking about the game of the week. On July 24th in 1983 is that the Kansas City Royals are in New York to take on the Yankees. The, and this, this is a, these teams fucking every year, right? I mean, every year in the playoffs or every year in the pennant race or whatever, playing each other all the goddamn time. And, uh, well, here's George Brett hitting a home run that should have been the go-ahead home run on the top of the ninth to give the, uh, the Royals a... Uh, well, an important win, and uh, instead Billy Martin does what Billy Martin does. Uh oh, uh oh, that's gone. And now the Royals have the one-run lead. George Brett has just homered, and Billy Martin and the Yankees want the bat. Look at Martin. Well, what they're talking about, Frank, is that he's got too much pine tar, and uh, you've got to have a certain amount of distance from the trademark of the bat and the pine tar. They might be going to call George Brett out. Well, he is. He's out. Yes, sir. Brett is out. Look at, look at this. Brett is out. And he's steaming mad. He is out and having to be forcibly restrained 
from hitting plate umpire Tim McClellan. And the Yankees have won the ball game four to three. That is called out for using an illegal bat or with the illegal substance on the bat. Like I said, I have seen this before, Frank, and uh, Gaylord Perry just took the bat away from home plate umpire Jim McClellan. He's going to take the bat. They're going to take it so they cannot take it into the American League office. Gaylord Perry, by the way, there. Stick a pin in that name for me, Colin, because we're going to come back to him in a second. But uh, this, uh, folks, by the way, almost every single incident that we've talked about here, specific incident, there is a uh, a Wikipedia page for. So if if you want to know more about the pine tar incident, you can just Google pine tar incident and get plenty about it. George Brett was using a bat. Fucking Uh, has his own Wikipedia. Yeah. Child or was. Yeah, the Jeffrey Meyer incident. Yeah. so the pine tar is that uh, Brett was using a bat that, uh, well, you, you put pine tar on your bat so that, you know, it's wood and you put pine tar on it so it's sticky and you don't lose it and it goes flying into the stands to hit a woman. Seems reasonable. Yeah. Um, but you can't have anything up your bat handle more than 18 inches. Now, conveniently, home plate is 17 inches wide, which is why you hear the there in the call that Tim McClellan is going to go over and look at it. He's going to, he laid it down. And it was further up the bat than it could be. But this is something that, um, well, nobody ever gave a fuck about. But George Brett just hit a go-ahead home run in Yankee Stadium on a Sunday with two outs in the top of the ninth off Goose Gossage, another Hall of Famer. And Billy Martin decided, you know what? I'm going to use this because it was actually Greg Nettles who was mentioned there, the, the Yankees third baseman who had told Billy Martin about the pine tar rule following an incident with Thurman Munson against the Minnesota Twins back in 1975. And, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, it's a rule. And it is a a rule that um, nobody gave a fuck about until, well, there you go. And because Martin came out there and said, oh, no, no, come on, you know that's more than 18 inches, you're either going to show, look, I don't give a fuck about the rules, or, uh, well, that's... That's what had you get George Brett trying to kill, yeah. as as Frank Mesner said there, Tim McClellan at home plate. <laughs> so I, this may a should be question, right? It's on the bat to make it sticky so you don't huck it at some woman in the crowd. Correct. Surely that is a problem if it's further up your bat. Like surely you're not going to get, like surely the ball is going to stick even just a tiny bit. Yeah, well, I, the, 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 the rule on this honestly came from um well it was an economic one from the early days of baseball and that you know if you have pine tar too far up the bat they didn't throw out baseballs like they do now right they, they didn't give a shit you tried to you tried to keep them in play as long as you could but if pine tar comes in contact with the ball the ball is no longer white it's very dark in that spot which yeah. means that you can't really use it and also it would give the pitcher an unfair advantage in some cases because, you know, he could grip the ball differently and better in certain spots. So that was the whole purpose of the rule. It wasn't a competitive advantage thing. It was it was money. Hey, how about that money? <laughs> I mean, like, so that makes sense to me, like, in the oldie baseball days. Yeah. But, like, it just feels like one of those, like, you know, you can shoot a Scotsman with a crossbow in York after dark sort of laws. <laughs> Like, why is it still in the boots? You can't shoot fish from horseback in Chicago. So, yeah, that's uh, that that one's still there. No, I mean, you know, it's, it's well, it's one of those things because you don't, it doesn't come up, you know. Uh, and and well, thankfully, Lee McPhail, uh, the the American League, uh, American League president at the time. I mean, no, knowing that this rule, where the purpose of this rule and everything, I mean, he's an old ass fucking baseball guy, you know. And honestly, most most of the rules around, uh, well, the, the the coloring of the baseball and everything, all of them go back to uh, Ray Chapman, who was uh, killed by a pitch in 1920, the only only death uh, in the history of, of Major League Baseball on the park, um, and that that was due to. Ban Johnson that season and his owners were bitching because they basically they brought in new rules that season to say, hey, you got to you got to get rid of baseballs more often. You know, they're hard to see. And owners were bitching about how much money they were wasting on these new baseballs. And so sadly, you know, Ray, Ray Chapman was a casualty of it. There's a very good book, by the way. It's called The Pitch That Killed 
if anybody still to me my favorite and probably the best baseball book ever written but um so lee mcphail again his position here as the american league president knowing that well that this had nothing to do with george brett hitting this fucking home run this had everything to do with billy martin being an asshole <laughs> and uh yeah. he goes you know what nope we're gonna start that game back whenever uh Whenever the whenever they come back now, of course the the, the Yankees um well f- tried to file a legal battle and all this other shit and everything else. McFell just uh, fuck you, so that the game would restart from the top of the ninth inning with two outs with the Royals leading five to four. Uh, and George Brett though would still be ejected for his outburst against McClellan whenever they restarted the game, and uh, so yeah they, they they couldn't they couldn't restart it uh, immediately. Uh, because the, the, actually the Royals were, uh, I think they were off to Baltimore. So it was 25 days later, uh, they, they, they came on to, uh, finish the, the last, well, four outs of this ball game. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I, 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 I love that from a perspective of, yeah, fuck you, Billy Martin. Like that, that's, that was the right call Yeah, from the league beard. Oh, oh well, well, just so you know, too, by the way, it gets better because Billy Martin, uh, argued on the resumption of play that that Royals base runners had not touched all the bases, so he's trying to again use a rule that <laughs> from from an event that happened 25 days ago to get Brett called out yet again. <laughs> the resumption of this game. I mean, I I have to say, like, uh, you get to respect his like sheer strength towards being a fucking dickhead. <laughs> like that takes energy. <laughs> well, it was great too. I, I think it was Tim Welke who was at first base, which is where he was contesting that Brett had not touched. But Welke wasn't there for the original game, so he was like, <laughs> "I don't know." <laughs> oh, again, you know, pie time. Now, look, there are ways you can doctor bats. Of course, corking bats is something that players have done for years. In fact, I mean, there's some of Babe Ruth's bats in the Hall of Fame that quite obviously are plugged. Uh, but, but, you know, where, where you drill them out and you try to put lighter substances into there. Uh, scientifically, uh, pretty much any research on this, it doesn't actually work uh, because any weight that you take, you know, the, the speed that you gain in generation is it, you lose power because the bat weighs less. It just it doesn't work. But there, there's loads of incidents of these things breaking on the park. And uh, what was it was it Chris Sable? I can't remember. So one one player famously, uh, the bat shattered and uh, rubber bouncy balls, super balls bounced all over the infield because he'd he'd filled the hole with uh you know his kids bouncy balls at home. Uh, this uh, another great one. Albert Bell playing for the uh, Cleveland Indians again, folks. This has a Wikipedia page, so if you want to go look, you can. But in 1994. I want to say it was in July of 94. Albert Bell, uh, he broke a bat. And, uh, you know, again, the, the, the umpires went and confiscated it. Because as you heard there at the end, again, remember Gaylord Perry's name. Gaylord Perry ran out onto the field to grab Brett's bat and go hide it in the clubhouse so that it couldn't be sent to the league offices. Because any kind of illegal bat, glove, hat, anything that they find some kind of illegal substance on or in goes to the league offices to be reviewed suspensions decided on all that kind of shit so the umpires i want to say it was dave phillips but i can't remember confiscates albert bell's bat takes it back to the umpires room and the cleveland indians knowing that this bat was corked and that bell would be suspended sent jason grimsley a relief pitcher in through the ceiling uh of the back office of their back rooms there at comiskey park he dropped out well it busted out ceiling tiles ripped out like part of the frame dropped down Replace the bat with one of Paul Sorrento's. So you might notice a problem here. If anybody's ever uh, looked at Major League Bats or any kind of wooden baseball bat, they typically have somebody's name on them. Yeah. So they, they took Albert Bell's and replaced it with Paul Sorrento's. Uh, and also it was a much, much, much different looking bat. And uh, so, yeah, the, the Chicago police were called. The FBI, like an ex-FBI agent was called in and everything. It was a fucking mess. And... Um, the, the, the Indians actually, they, they were ordered by the American League. They, look, you got to give us this fucking bat. So they finally did. Uh, Bell would have been suspended. Well, I think he had 10-game suspension, but it was reduced to seven. And none of that mattered because the Major League Baseball lockout, and don't call it a fucking strike for 1994, it's a lockout, uh, started just a couple days later. So 
I think I think Grimsley ended up talking about it in like 1999 in a, in a New York Times interview. It was, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I think you you hit on something like there's just too much time at a baseball game. Yep, <laughs> that's because I like I was listening to that story and being like I would absolutely have got involved in those sort of shenanigans <laughs> if I'm just stood at the side like you know watching the game be like how do we get the bat back? We could break in through the ceiling. I, was, I remember one time I locked myself out of the office at a bar one time. And the first thing that came to my mind, I was like, wait, if I go into the ceiling through the bathroom, I can drop down to the office. It's like, it's, it just sticks in my head. Uh, but Gaylord Perry, to close this one out, Gaylord Perry, all right, he um, was a longtime major league pitcher. I think he won 311 games, a Hall of Famer. Uh, the, 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 First, I can't, he might still be the only, I don't think he's the only anymore, but the first pitcher to win the um, Cy Young in both leagues, which is for the best pitcher. But uh, for years, Gaylord Perry, who again, took Brett's bat to make sure it couldn't get to the league office because he knows what happens to this kind of shit when it does, uh, was accused, yeah, well, he he was accused of uh, throwing a spitball, which, you know, basically you, you, you wet the ball either with spit or Vaseline or uh, Vagisil is a pretty common one that, that pitchers use and stuff. And it affects the, the flight of the ball coming out of your hand. Now, you got to be really good. You got to be able to control it. Obviously, Gaylord Perry could to the point where he won 311 games. But he leaned into it so much that in 1974, he wrote his autobiography uh, titling it uh, Me and the Spitter. He was not ejected from a game for doctoring the baseball until a further eight years later. Uh, I, th- I want to say it was a couple months after he'd won his 300th game for my Seattle Mariners in 1982. When uh, I, 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 fuck, I can't remember who the hell the, the manager on the other two. All right, come on. Like you, you could, it was getting so bad. You know, he would keep Vaseline in his hair under his hat. So he'd reach up and get <laughs> it on his hands and then do what he did with the ball. And as you know, th- there's a lot of spitballers through history who've always said, it was more mental than anything. You know, if they think that we're doing it, that's just as good as us doing it. <laughs> so I just thought it's like getting into the head thing, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Again, you have this much time to sit around and think about how to do stuff. Uh, J- Joe Necro, uh, well, like Gaylord Perry, a, a, a brother in a pitching, you know, pitching brothers pair that were both very, very good. Him and his brother, uh, Phil, but he got caught right, right, right. I want to say 1987 pitching for the twins, uh, he would keep a file in, the, in his back pocket to doctor the baseballs because you know if it like, I mean it's a sphere, and if you if you mess with one side of it, the way it flies through the air will change, you know. And uh, well, when the umpires went out to get him, he uh, rather ungracefully reached into his back pocket and tried to throw it away, uh, <laughs> which was caught on every camera in the ground and by everybody standing around him. And then he went, well, I, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> well, that's not my fail. <laughs> Phil, we, we just saw this. We just saw this. No, so I got, you know, look, Colin, baseball is weird. You know, just, just to, the, the, to close it, even the stuff that's in the rules, yeah, even that kind of shit is fucking weird sometimes. So a bulk, as I brought up, Again, with the Earl Weaver, his famous rant there with Bill Holler. It was it was a second clip there at the introduction, which uh, ooh, there's some language in there, man. But thank God, Bill Holler. He was mic'd up on this game. It was uh, in September of 1980 because a film crew was doing like a, a the day in the life of a major league umpire, and uh, well, they picked the right fucking day <laughs> because <laughs> Orioles pitcher Mike Flanagan was called for a balk. By Bill Holler there in the first inning. Typically, it's the first or third base umpires that, that call these things. And, um, well, Earl Weaver disagreed with that, as you heard. And uh, the, the the nature of it alone. So, if you ask some people, Colin, there's either 13 or 18 or 20 ways that you can balk. There's rarely a number in between those. You're going to get one of those three numbers. And a balk is a way by a pitcher to deceive a base runner in order to get him out. Right? You can't. You can't. You can't do something that. Uh, well, like you can't start and stop your delivery. You can't do. You know, stuff like yeah. this. There's other ones though that involve like you can't drop the baseball once your foot's on the rubber. Uh, and then if you're in the twenty camp, 
there's actually two that involve players that aren't the pitchers getting involved in box. So again, there's either 13, 18, or 20 ways. But the fact that people can't agree on that and it's something in the rule book, that's that's baseball right there. <laughs> that, that, yeah, I think you've summed that up pretty perfectly there. <laughs> Uh, for, for the record, I've, I've always been in the 13 camp. So I, I, I think once you get to the 18, some are redundant. And the 20 camp, although it is technically a bulk, it's not on the pitcher. It's on a player interfering with a runner. And I just, I don't count that. So I, I am firmly in the 13 camp on the on the ways to bulk. So well, I, can, I can tell you I have absolutely no opinion. <laughs> Baseball's weird, Colin, but it's fucking beautiful. And playoff baseball starts today. And again, for me, for the first time in 20 years, I couldn't be more excited. I get to put this episode together. I'm going to go watch the, the Cardinals game. I think they start at 1 o'clock or noon here. Get get a little bit warmed up for uh, for the main event. So that's it. But ho- hopefully, hopefully, I don't know. But maybe it makes a little bit more sense. But honestly, the, 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 more, the more you peel off, the more layers that you peel off on baseball, the weirder and weirder it fucking it gets. Absolutely has made even less sense now. <laughs> but I think I, I now understand why it makes less sense because you, you just have that time to hang about. Yeah. And fuck yeah about. When, when, when you got three hours on a nice sunny day, you want to figure out ways to have fun. <laughs> I'm there for it. But uh, good luck to your hour, Seattle Manor. Yes. Ah, boy. Ah, boy. No, Kyle, thank you so much. <laughs> Pleasure as always. Actually, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. I um, I feel less confused than normal <laughs> and much more amused. <laughs> I, I think, you know, that, that, next next time we're going to have to get back to some politics. We, we, we've had fun with the sports here. but try, we, we talked before this, folks. I think we're going to try to do one on all the big four, all the big four American sports. So we'll, we'll, we'll get down the line there eventually. But, uh, of course, Kyle, you can always find it. Don't tell Kyle. Uh, you can find them. You scroll down in the links here on, on the on the show notes. You can find them there on Twitter. And please, again, look, if you, if you like everything that we're doing over here, try and do a hell of a lot more of it throughout the week. Like I said, God damn it, man. I had to sit here yesterday for about seven and a half hours recording and editing. So it was it was a good full good full day of um yeah, good full day of crow pod, but uh, that, that's all there if you're looking for stuff. But again, scroll down, hit the buy me a coffee link, or visit support.thecopelandroad.org. Give us a hand, win some stuff, because I'm giving away more and more stuff all the time now the more people sign up. So that's it. Colin, thanks, buddy. Pleasure always, my dude. Take it easy. Take it easy, man. We'll talk to you all soon. Thank you. Some people call me the space cowboy. Yeah. You can't even fucking see this at all.